right. Welcome to the Sedated Man, episode 80. Uh, I don't remember if I went over why I went with, why I started recording this differently uh, in the last one. So I do still have the microphone. I do still enjoy using the microphone, but I wanted something that was a little more interactive where I didn't have to, where I didn't have to have something right here. Something where I could maybe use a whiteboard. Uh, I mean, I have a whiteboard with notes on it here, but something where I could use a whiteboard, something I could, I like to move my hands, obviously. It just helps me think. So, so episode 80, what are we talking about today? What we're talking about today is the problem of remarriage in the church. This is a highly controversial, never talked about subject. Everybody's got an opinion, uh, and that's exactly what it is, opinion. There's a lot of people that I've seen churches take a hard line on this deal. I've seen churches uh, completely ignore it. In fact, a lot of the churches that hardline it will still at the same time ignore it, meaning that they won't deal with the couples or, or they'll just kind of brush it under the rug or they're so hard that they want to drive those remarried couples out. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, my wife and I are a remarried couple. And if you've got a problem with that, I don't care. Okay, because I know scripturally we're okay. And that's what I want to talk about today. I don't want to bash what you think. That is not my intent. I'm not telling you that you're stupid. I simply want to give you another opportunity to look at it and a different perspective, not the traditional perspective. I got on YouTube and I found a lot of stuff on there about who can remarry and divorce and what scripture says. So a lot of that stuff, uh, some of it I'll touch on, a lot of it I'm not even going to go over because it's been beat to death. And I, I think it's, it's a moot, redundant point. If you'd like, just get on YouTube and take a look at Remarriage and Divorce, and uh, you'll see a lot of the same from different people. And I'm not saying they're not good videos. I'm just saying this is the info that I saw being put out there, and that is not the info that I'm looking to present here today. Okay. So who can remarry? Well, widows or widowers. Okay, they can remarry. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 30, and if you go look there, it's very interesting because it says right at the end that whoever the widow marries must belong to God. Hmm. That's an entirely different discussion. <laughs> okay. See, what I want to do here while we go through these is I want to inspire you to look. My intent has always been to make sure that you know why you believe what you believe. Because a lot of people, including myself, will just spew stupid on somebody and then we look like a fool because we really didn't know what we were talking about scripture is not something that you just carry around with a heavy opinion it's a conviction okay if you're just going to have an opinion then dig some more because what you need is a conviction you need to know why you believe what you believe anyway number two those outside of christ now there's no scripture reference for that i mean that's kind of a no-brainer those outside of christ you know they honor marriage a lot of them do. Uh, but really, if you're outside of Christ, it doesn't matter what you're doing, okay? The rules really don't apply to you. Uh, and I'm not talking about Chaz or Chop or whatever it is there, okay? I'm talking people outside of Christ. The rules, they've chosen to not follow those rules. So those outside of Christ, they can remarry, okay? It's not an issue. Uh, if your spouse is unfaithful, according to Matthew 19.9, we see that an unfaithful spouse will allow you to break or will allow you to uh, break that, that marriage and remarry, okay? And then, of course, there are those whose spouse has left the faith. 
which is also 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. And they're no longer bound. You know, of course it says, don't be yoked to an unbeliever, but hey, it happens, right? So once again, we're not here to debate. I just want, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what this is about. This is for us to have passionate discussion, passionate discussion, and maybe even just get angry and teeth gritting at each other and still walk away from the table with enough respect to, to be able to understand why the other person may think the way they do. All right. So what are some of the questions that we need to really answer here? Well, can sin be forgiven? I think everybody across the board is going to agree that sin can be forgiven. Okay, I mean, that's what Christ is all about, is forgiving sin. He wants people to come into the church. He doesn't want you to fall away. In fact, if you ever look at the, at the disfellowship process for a person being pushed out of the church, it's a harsh process, but its full intention is to bring that person back. Okay? God and Christ are all about forgiveness of sin. So can sin be forgiven? Number two, what's the next question that we need to answer? Do we have the right under the New Covenant or the New Testament to just slap law on these couples? Now, there's a few of you out there that are just nothing but law-oriented, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Do not taste, do not touch, do not smell. Okay, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. Do we have the right to just slap law on these remarried couples? Because if you haven't ever noticed, marriage is marriage. But when it comes to an initial marriage and a remarriage, although the marriage principles are the same, the constructs are very different. Different baggage, different issues, different, different people, different outside influences. If you are married to just one person, if you're just married to one wife, and you've gone through and somebody who's remarried asks you for counseling, be a little nervous because there are some, some factors in there that you are not going to understand. So question three, should we step back and help those couples make this current marriage their last marriage? Or do we look at them and simply think to ourselves, well, they've been married more than once, they'll probably marry again. Why? Because I've always said it's easier to say nothing and, and determine that the other people are too stubborn to listen than it is for us to actually step up, step out of our comfort zones, and be the Christian men that we need to be. Take a look back. How many marriages have you seen fall apart that you knew were going to fall apart? You watched it. Tick, 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 tick. And you saw that that was not going to end well. What did you do? Did you ever attempt to take the guy aside and say, hey, I am not trying to pry, but as your brother in Christ, I really want to say this to you because it's important. Are you willing to listen? Number four, are we judging by grace or are we judging by law? Because it'll be measured to us, right? Let me wipe away right now that whole judge not. Everybody judges. It's a natural response given to you by God for health and safety. Eat this mushroom, don't eat that mushroom. That's all judgment, okay? And it goes all the way up to 
This is the partner I want. This isn't the partner I want. Okay, remember, Scripture says that judge not lest you be judged, for by the same standard by which you measure it shall be measured to you. Are you judging by grace, which is what you want to be measured by, or by law, which is what you do not want to be measured by? Okay, so with that, let's talk a little bit about this. In Hebrews chapter 9, my real Bible, no digital one here. Okay, I actually have my little marks here. In Hebrews chapter 9, In verse 16, it says, For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never in force while the one who made it lives. Now, another term for covenant is testament. Okay, And the thing to remember here is we have an old covenant and a new covenant. And it says here in verse 16 that there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. Christ's death. Okay? So, for a covenant is valid only when men are dead, when Christ was dead, for it's never enforced, never enforced while the one who made it lives. So, for one, we see the transition in Christ's death right there from Old Testament to New Testament, or from Old Covenant to New Covenant. Now, why is that important? Because what you're going to find, if you take a look, is this whole uh, movement of once you now before let me let me finish i can already hear some of you gearing up okay the whole movement of if if you get married initially and then you divorce and you your wife marries another you're causing her to commit adultery and she is committing adultery now i'm not discounting any of that what i am suggesting is that is old covenant law that was Jewish law. And when they speak of it, they're speaking to Jews or, or Christians who used to be Jews because they understand the law. And we're going to get into that a little bit, so don't abandon ship quite yet, okay? Like I said, I want you to think. If you're irritated, good, you're listening, okay? And if you're not irritated but you're intent, that's good, you're listening too. All right, so that's Hebrews chapter 9. Now in Romans chapter 7... Where would we be without sticky notes? Okay. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies... She is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Now, a lot of you will stop reading right there, but I want you to keep reading. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit of God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now... We have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then is the law sin? May it never be. 
On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. So a couple things I want to point out. This is an excellent section of scripture. Now what he's saying here is, okay, in the beginning he says, sorry, let me jockey on my crap around here. He says in verse 1, or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law. Now, it's important to always understand your audience. I've told you that a million times. Understand the audience, understand the audience, understand the audience. Romans, who is he talking to? Paul is talking to the church in Rome. Okay, he's talking, now primarily here where he's talking to uh, people who were Jews. Because when he says, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that was the Jews. Okay, the Jews were of the law, they get it. Okay, so he's speaking to those who are of the law. So, the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. Okay, once again, he's talking to the Jews, saying, you know the law, and you know that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. Okay, he's still speaking of Old Testament law. So, he uses marriage and divorce as an example here. He's not... He's not putting the nails in the coffin lid here. He's using uh, the woman here, okay, says in verse 3, So then if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. So she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. He's using it as an example. He's using this example of law to get a point across to these people who were formerly Jew, Okay. Now you were made to die, verse 4, to the law through the body of Christ. Which is why, let me look here. In verse 6 it says, but now we have been released from the law. Released from the law. All right. And why were we released from the law? Having died to that which, by which we were bound, so that we serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. That would be the letter of the law, which he says in verse 7, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. So, let's establish something. The law wasn't bad. In fact, in fact, if we go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians, Galatians. I think that was the one I didn't actually uh, mark here. If we go to Galatians chapter 3, in verse 23, okay, it says, But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the point, okay? The law was a tutor. The law of sin and death, the law, the law that taught sin, was a tutor to lead us to Christ. So when he says... At the end of Romans chapter 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin may never be, not sin. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. Okay? But we 
as Christians, if indeed you are a Christian, have died to the law. Died to the law. So that we may serve in newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Why do I keep repeating that? I want it to get through. The issue of can you remarry is a law issue. It's a law issue. In fact, Paul uses that law as an example, as the example of how we die and come to Christ. And then calls it the oldness of the letter, or the uh, not an oldness of the letter. Okay, once again, I want you to just think, reason through. Now, this can get a little uh, unnerving for some people. And I just want you to relax, okay? Once again, this is something, my, my wife and I have worked with so many remarried couples. So many. One of the main concerns I've always seen uh, myself with remarried couples is what their church thinks of them. What their brothers and sisters in Christ think of them. Because they feel less than. I felt compelled to do this particular topic because it absolutely applies to men and how we look at other couples and help. And if we are in a remarried couple, we've got to know where we stand. We cannot stand on a firm foundation if we are standing on the foundation of law because law doesn't belong in the Christian's house. Now, I'm not saying lawless. I'm not saying just go do whatever. I'm not saying get married four, five, six, seven times. I'm saying it can be forgiven, whereas it didn't used to be. I'm saying that the adultery can be forgiven. Once again, can sin be forgiven? Or are you going to lay down the letter of the law and say that's the unforgivable sin? Because I don't think you've got that right. And I don't think scripture pushes that. Let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 5. I've seen a lot of people hurt with this, okay? So, Galatians chapter 5, sorry, in verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace, for we are through the Spirit by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Here is what I want to point out, okay? Now, before he said, all right, for those of you who know the law, and he's talking to the former Jews, which are his primary congregation in Rome at the time. <clears throat> now he's saying in verse 3, And I testify, to you, I, I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. He's talking to the people who can't seem to let go of the Jewish system of circumcision. He's saying, look, if you receive this circumcision, you understand that you have to follow the law. Because if you're going to go by Jewish tradition, you have to follow the law once you're, once you're circumcised. But then he goes on in verse 4. Uh, you have been severed from Christ, you are, who are seeking to be justified by the law. 
So if they receive circumcision, they know that they have to abide by the law and in doing so be justified by the law. And in doing so, sever themselves from Christ. That is the place that law has in the house. That is the place that law has in the church. It's a tutor. It's a teacher. It's a guide. It was the Jewish standard. It is not the Christian's standard. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was, through the flesh God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay? So, oh, I need my notes. Sorry. 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 Okay. So we as Christians, if we indeed have the Spirit of Christ, okay, we are of the law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, not the law of sin and death. We already know from Galatians that sin, the law of sin, was what taught us what right and wrong was. Okay? And we as Christians are not... Of that law anymore. We are of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We know that the law of sin and death was just a tutor. Okay? For what the law could not do, in verse 3, weak as it was through the flesh, that be the law of sin and death, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. That's your dividing line. If you're walking according to the flesh, you are walking according to law. And if you are walking according to the Spirit, you are walking according to grace. Or, or the, the law, sorry, where'd that go? Or the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So how does all of this play together? Okay, look, you can't look at a couple and be judge and jury, Okay. Uh, we, we've done a lot of uh, marriage and family counseling, and one of the things that we always teach couples is they can't be the parent police. Can't be the parent police. It is easy to look at another couple and say, I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never do that. And my wife and I did it too. And you know, the funny thing is, is the people that go, oh, I would never do that. They're usually the ones that don't have kids yet. And so everything changes when they have kids and they're like, oh my goodness, and they feel judged and they're like, I think I'm screwing this up and I'm pretty sure my, I'm sure, pretty sure my kid's going to be an axe murderer and, and my daughter's going to end up pregnant by 16 because I'm just screwing this all up. No, <laughs> that's the extreme, but no. All right. But we as churchgoers, especially in today's, especially with everything that's going on, all right, we're not necessarily going to talk COVID or George Floyd or all the stupidity happening in Seattle and, and, uh, and all these other places where they're trying to lock down. All right, what we're talking about is why do we attempt to strap that law onto other people? Because why do people follow law? Because it's easy. Do this, do this, get this. Do this, do this, get this. There's not a lot of thought involved there. Well, if you want a great marriage, you should do this, this, and this. 
and we don't realize that what we're doing is we're laying law on them. Every couple looks different, right? Because what does scripture say? It says, to him that knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. What does that mean? That means that, that eating meat, as scripture talks about, could be a sin to one person and not to another. And we don't want to cause a brother to stumble in that, so we've got to be aware. It means that what I do in my marriage may not be what works in yours, but I can advise you. I can give you uh, graceful advice. I can give you specific advice, but that advice has to be adhered to as it works within your own household. We are way too busy, men, way too busy being stinking armchair quarterbacks, being the guy who sits on the couch, points at the TV, and tells everybody what they're doing wrong. We need to be proactive. If you see a couple struggling, swallow your pride, swallow your law, ask what you can do to help. My wife and I have started something called the Remarriage Academy. And this isn't a pitch for it, it's just if you would like to check it out, please feel free. We have a, a channel on YouTube called the Remarriage Academy. There are many, many videos on there that give advice to remarried couples and advice that will actually help for married couples. But once again, don't take it word for word, make it work for your house. Now, some of you are listening and some of you are just gritting your teeth. Okay, look, you've got to take all the scripture. I, my job was to make you think it wasn't to give you all of your answers. I want you to get into the book and find the answers. Find your answer. Find your conviction. And quit beating up these other couples. Quit. That is, you are not judge and jury. If their marriage is struggling and they're a remarried couple, put your feelings aside, give them some advice if they want it, and help them make it. Now, if after this you go through and you are still absolutely convicted that what it says here is exactly how it has to play, then live that. I respect that. Live it. But don't be a hypocrite. Don't help a couple. Don't offer advice to a couple that's been remarried. Or, I mean, don't offer advice to a couple that has only got one marriage going on and then give advice to a, a remarried couple. That's hypocritical. If you don't believe in a remarriage, don't give them advice. Why would you try and help those people that are in sin if that's what you think? Be consistent, but be passionate. You know, <clears throat> my wife and I started the Remarriage Academy because there's nothing out there like it. We started it because we have had people come to us in secret over the years, many people actually, uh, unsure what to do. We've seen marriages fall apart again and again. I mean, you know, the, the divorce rate is 50% if, for your first marriage, 70% for your second marriage, and the stats just go up from there. And our philosophy, our motto is, let your remarriage, let us help you make your remarriage your last marriage. Imagine what things would look like if you could do that within your own congregation. This isn't just about, none of my videos are just about this, the particular subject I'm on. What they're really about is us knowing why we believe what we believe and taking it and showing that conviction to the world 
and to our brothers and sisters, letting them know that we are dependable, that we believe, that we live Christ. I've told my sons many times, if the world looks at you and can sit down and have lunch with you because you don't look any different than anybody else, that's a problem. So, I hope you've listened. I hope you're going to get in there and mix it up. Please feel free uh, to make comments. Please feel free to yell at me, scream at me. It's, it's all good. I can take it. I've got a thick skin. That was the whole point of this, of this podcast. Uh, like I told you, we're going to take some different avenues. This isn't necessarily something I would have gone over before, but it's something that I feel very convicted to go over now. And we'll cover things as we need to, whether uh, sometimes we'll cover some political things. I kind of veered away from that before, but uh, not so much. I don't think you can get away from it now. You know, so go figure. But you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Anchor. You can find us on Facebook. And you can find us on Instagram. Uh, we're also on TikTok, although we don't do a ton of marriage stuff on TikTok yet. Uh, we're working on that avenue. But the other ones, the videos will be there. The podcasts will be there. And, uh, it, you know, when I put my podcast on Anchor, it goes out everywhere. So I want to do a new thing. One of my favorite TV shows is Last Man Standing with Tim Allen. And I imagine probably a lot of you guys... Uh, are of the same mind, if you, especially if you're listening or watching this. And so, in true Mike Baxter form, this is Mike Baker signing out.